Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor, and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. With some fresh breakfast food in our bellies, we are ready to start a show. Welcome to Sex and Science Hour and happy Friday night. <laughs> breakfast, yeah, I was going to say on Friday night. <laughs> it, it's almost a tradition at this point, Brian. We've been going out for breakfast food before we do the show every Friday night <laughs> for the last couple of weeks. No, you're right. That's almost happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it okay. actually makes for a better show because, you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, but nobody says you have to have it in the morning. That's a great point. That's actually real. I never thought about it yeah. that way. We like to do things a little outside of the box here on Sex and Science Hour. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. Our website is sexandsciencehour.com. We also have a podcast podcast feed you can subscribe to on SoundCloud or through our website. And uh, now, now, don't do that. Don't podcast. Like, would that yeah, be like taking no, a break I was from thinking podcasts? of like intermittent fasting yeah. and podcasting <laughs> and my wires got crossed. Maybe that breakfast food wasn't doing me as good as I thought. But anyway, <laughs> we're glad to have you here if you're just joining us. Brian, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had a recurring nightmare about being back in school and being unprepared for a test or something like that, or finding out that you actually failed a class or being lost in the hallway and wandering around and not being able to get to the class that you needed to be at and knowing that you were going to get in trouble. Have you ever had a dream of that nature? Yikes. Um, not like when I was in school, I had those kind of nightmares and dreams, but ever since I got out of school, I haven't really, I, I don't recall oh, that's really good. Well, you must have blocked it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as soon as I was out of there, I, you know, hit the ground running. I have had dreams like that myself. Um, so, now, I'm 33 years old. <laughs> the last time I was in high school was, no, oh, on the order of 15 years ago. <laughs> and I still have nightmares sometimes that I technically failed a class or didn't complete a class because I forgot to hand in like one critical assignment. And I find this out like now in the present day. And I have to go back to high school and finish out the class. And, and things like that. I have that dream often. When I was on, uh, I, we were on a radio show together, Brian, and the radio show went live at 7.06 p.m. Uh -huh. And we would 
we would have to drive a fair distance to get there. And sometimes there was weather. And I would often have dreams that the show was starting and we were not in the studio. <laughs> and we were cutting it close a couple of times with that show as well. So, I mean, that was uh, that was another stress dream. But I felt like that was kind of related to the school. Now, when we stopped being on that show, um, our the dreams stopped for me. But the high school dreams have not stopped for me. I'm glad you don't have them. But apparently this is a very common phenomenon. There's been uh, a survey done by Peter Gray, who is... Um, I think he's like a pioneer in the the Sudbury schools, which Sudbury schools are like an alternative kind of school started in Sudbury, Massachusetts, where it's more like self-directed learning. It's almost almost like unschooling, if you've ever heard of that. It's a very different kind of school where kids are kind of, um, you know, learning through experience rather than a structured curriculum, I would say. Right. I don't know that much about it because I never, unfortunately, had the opportunity to go to one, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. But you and I saw this guy, Peter Gray, uh, speaking at a conference once. Yeah, it was and, at the Ancestral Health Symposium in Boston three or four years ago. Yeah, uh, and he, he was, what was he speaking about? He was talking about how well, kids... Hunter-gatherer children, pretty much. Yeah. Like children within hunter-gatherer societies that you can observe today and just the... the I mean, there was it was interesting. Because, the way that they learn from older kids and from adults. Right. And there's no age so there's groups. There's no formal schooling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But somehow they just, I mean, and they walk around with smiles on their faces and right. it's really something. Yeah. yeah. That was that was a big thing that he was saying was that like, you know, school is this environment where kids are artificially kind of segregated by age. But right. in the real world, you actually are around people of all different ages and you learn from all of them in different ways. Yeah. So, you know. But anyway, um, he was a great speaker, and I still remember his talk. And he does a lot of, of writing. He writes for Psychology Today. He does videos and stuff like that. Yep. He does a lot of writing about sort of the damage that's done by traditional school that most of us go to um, as we're growing up. And, of course, you know, we're not saying that we're ungrateful for having an education or anything like that. Right. I think education is wonderful. I mean, this is a science podcast, partially, right? It's sex and science hour, right? So science is a part of that. And, you know, I think education and learning is a wonderful thing. But often, there's not that much learning that goes on in school, except learning conformity and obedience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, learning to be afraid of authority figures and things like that, and learning that you're going to get get punished if you do things, if you step out, out of line or think outside of the box. Right. So anyway, um, Peter Gray did this, the, did this survey of 128 adults, and he, he wrote about it on Medium, and it's called They Dream of School and None of the Dreams Are Good. And basically what he says is that it's incredibly common for adults to have nightmares about being back in school, even years after they're out of school and that they're out of that environment. Um, sure, and I say this half in jest. I mean, it's PTSD. I mean, this, yeah. this is a prison we're talking about, pretty it much. It is. The similarities between schools and prisons. And now some people are rolling their eyes and saying, oh, are you kidding? Come on. It's not like a prison. You're getting a wonderful education. Well, actually, I mean, if you think about it, it's an incredibly structured day where you have to be places with that bell rings you have to be there or you're going to get in trouble yeah. you have to eat when the bell rings you have to go to class when the bell rings you Pat have to learn dog. about what they say you you're going to learn about and if your answers deviate too much from the norm you might get in trouble for that you have to ask to go to the bathroom you're segregated with a group of people that are your age only there's a lot of hierarchy and bullying within the peer groups you know there's kind of a pecking order and there's definitely a pecking order between the kids and the teachers because you know the teachers adults 
have all kinds of privileges that the kids don't have. So, right. you know, it's, it, it is kind of similar. And a lot of those, a lot of schools have this institutional architecture feel that, that is almost like a jail kind of. Well, <laughs> like, it's all cement blocks. Yeah. And cinder that, blocks and things know, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And depending on what city you're in, there's plenty of bars. I mean, you know, it's, it's really. Yep. There's a lot of violence that goes on in some schools. I mean, it depends if you grow up, what kind of neighborhood you grew up in and what kind of school you went to. But there's a lot of kids beating each other up. Sometimes even teachers, you know, corporal punishment is in some sure. schools. It's depending on when you went to school and where you went to school. You might have been beat up by your teachers or the principal. Um, you know, not to mention some of the sexual harassment and abuse that goes on in some schools. So, you know, it's it's a it's a tough environment for a lot of kids. And it's no wonder that people have nightmares about it still, even as adults, because it made a lasting impact on them and not in a good way. So um, Peter Gray here is saying that being in school is actually among the top five categories of dreams. You know, so that they say people dream about certain subjects, like you might right. dream that you're falling and it means you're out of you're feeling out of control in your life or something like that. Well, being in school is one of the top five categories of dreams. And the nature of the dreams was almost universally unpleasant among the people that Peter Gray surveyed about this. So basically, I, I'm going to spare you the details, but he asked people to rate like rate their dreams on a scale of one to five, one very pleasant to five, very unpleasant. None of it, the respondents rated their dream, recurring dreams as a one or two. So they were, they were either neutral or, or very unpleasant. <laughs> um, <laughs> only oh, one of those, only one of the respondents rated the dream as a three rather than a four or five, because that one had a, said she felt a, a sense of relief realizing in the later part of the dream that she had already finished school. So the only relief was knowing that you had finished school. Well, so, so what was the sample size? Uh, 128 adults. Okay. And he talked to all of them about their dreams. Here are some of the dreams. Sure. Um, he, I, I want to read some of the quotes from these dreams. So some of the dreams that these people had. I keep doing circles in the hallways, trying to get to classes. Nothing ever works. I'm scared, nervous, anxious, alone, and I can't do anything to change it. I wake up feeling depressed, insecure, unsure, unsettled in my younger years and crying. I wander around panicked. Look, this is the next one. I wander around panicked looking for the correct classroom. I dread having the teacher lay into me about missing classes. The feeling is extreme anxiety, embarrassment, and shame. That's horrible. Yeah. I feel completely freaked out knowing that I know nothing and I'm going to fail the class. The feeling of not knowing and of impending failure is so intensely gut-wrenching. Oh, my God. Here's the next one. I wake up with my heart pounding every time. All of a sudden, there even pops up a whole new subject about which I haven't been informed, but I have to make a written exam about it. I'm panicking. I'm in agony. All I've studied for, all the hard work, was in vain. No degree. Yeah. Wow. I mean, these are so, these sound so familiar. I bet a, a bunch of people are listening to this right now, shaking their heads because they've had dreams they've had exactly them. like this. This is so common. And the, the reason I'm reading them is, I mean, I think a lot of people who are listening to this show are going to largely, you know, they're going to agree with us that, yeah, school can be a really rough environment and yeah. sometimes it impacts people and you dr you have these fears of like missing tests and like being unprepared or being in the wrong place and getting yelled at by teachers, even as an adult. That's that's kind of hard to disagree with. I mean, it's such a common experience, but the least we can do is 
let you know that you're not alone. If you do have these kinds of recurring dreams or if you feel that school made a, a an impact on you in kind of a negative way in some of these uh, instances, leaving you with these feelings that you're processing through dreams even years or decades later as an adult, you're not alone. <laughs> this is a very common experience. And maybe it's time to start asking the question, why why is this negative experience that lasts so much and makes an imp such an impression on people so common? Is there something wrong with the way that we treat children in school or the types of schooling that we put children through? Maybe just maybe the system is messed up, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, and, and I think all of that makes a lot of sense. And I think it makes sense why people have these dreams. Um, I mean, you can, I'm sure you can easily find similar situations in work, uh, like in work environments. Mm. Oh, such yeah. Dreams about a lot of them are Showing up naked, school. stuff like this. Yeah. But like, I'm kind of surprised because there wasn't anybody who I, I think most people look back to their high school years mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that do that fondly and they wish they could just be in high school forever yeah and yeah. i guess you don't dream about the good stuff you're processing the yeah. negative stuff and so it comes out and dream often we dream about things that we're trying to process or trying to make sense of or understand and some of those some of those things those feelings of embarrassment and shame are just really hard to reconcile with okay why did i have to go through that you know yeah so anyway you're not alone by the way brian i show up naked to work sometimes no that you do <laughs> Hey, everybody. This is Sex and Science Hour. And if you didn't know about our online community, you might want to get on joining that. We have a po uh, sorry, we have a Facebook group. Yes, we have a podcast, obviously. You know about <laughs> You're that. Listening You're listening to, to it. it. We have a Facebook group called the Sex and Science Hour podcast community on Facebook. If you want to contribute to our show prep, meet other listeners and participate in the discussion there, I suggest you join it. Now, you're going to have to answer a question to prove that you know who we are, that we're who the host of the show are, just to prove you're not a spammer. But uh, once you do that, you're scot-free. Brian did let one person in who didn't answer the questions because she was a hot girl. So, Brian, I'm calling what? you out for that. <laughs> but if you answer the questions, you'll be good. So get on that <laughs> Sex and Science Hour podcast community on Facebook. <laughs> I can't believe you revealed such a thing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I can't believe you let that person in. They could have been a spammer. No, but I... I, I don't think, think they, they were, were at all. I, I, it's not like I just, like, oh, hot chick, and I, you know, not that I even ever think that way, you know, and I just let them in. Like, I actually looked. I'm like, okay, well, what's their deal? And I look, too, and I think she probably does listen to the yeah, show. But yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we haven't had good confirmation either way. Right. But we, we don't want to talk about this one person. We, do, we just want to get as many people in on our Facebook group as possible to have a positive peer environment that's unlike right school was for a lot of people anyway um go go back and read we'll link to we always link to all the articles that we discuss in the show notes but if you have recurring nightmares about school you might want to go and read this article because i think it can be really um helpful for for people just to know that there's other people going through it anyway we got to move on now we're in the science segment and this is a psychology another psychology article actually that i found really interesting and you might, too, if you've ever admined a page on Facebook or if you've ever been a victim of trolling. Now, I'm being a little facetious with the word victim because, you know, pretty much everybody gets trolled online at some point. If you don't know what an Internet troll is, a troll is somebody who... A troll has a very specific definition. I think sometimes people misuse the word, but what it really means is it's an art, Okay, of it's an art of deliberate deliberately 
getting provoking people to get a rise out of them to yes. get to get a reaction out of them to draw it out of them and for them to not know that you're doing this just to make them react to push their buttons yeah and just quick it's important to bring up that like a troll an internet troll is not somebody that just disagrees with you yes. if they're disagreeing with you just to just to provoke you mm -hmm. then that's a troll but yeah. just because they disagree with you does not make them a troll yeah, which I think that's the word gets used a lot more or it gets used on a much broader brush than than it really is. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a troll, you know, the most important thing for them is to get a reaction from you. And the 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 wilder the reaction, the more emotional the reaction they can get from you, the better. And the yeah. more people they can draw out into a reaction, the better. They may not they may not even really agree with what they're saying. They're only saying it to get a reaction. Right. And so, of course, the best way to deal with a troll is to not react. Don't give them what they want. That's the old adage of don't feed the trolls, right? That's where that word comes from. Um, so there's a, there's been a study, and this is written by Roger Dooley over at Forbes. There's been a study by some Canadian researchers on internet trolls. And what they found in this study was that people who engage in internet trolling have higher, uh, show higher indicators of psychological traits like psychopathy, narcissism, Machiavellianism, <laughs> direct sadism, and vicarious sadism. So basically, trolls are psycho in real life. <laughs> yeah. I I guess it's not hard to believe. I mean, because really, in a way, it's an act of trying to puppeteer and control uh, a group, a person, yeah. situation. Yeah. Uh, it really why, is. What do trolls say about why they troll? They say, oh, I did it for the lulls, right? Yeah. For the laughs, like for fun. Yeah. Because it's fun to, I don't know, provoke other people to, <laughs> to yeah. get a rise out of them. I mean, now, a lot of psychological definitions of people, even like the term narcissist and things like this, uh you know, sometimes these these can get applied just like troll gets applied way too much. These can get applied like way too easily, way too much. I agree. I, I agree. There was this this book written by, oh, gosh, I, I always forget her name. Martha, Martha something or other. Sorry, <laughs> Martha. Uh, she's a professor at Harvard, and she wrote a book called The Psychopath Next Door. And like the back cover of the book says things like, oh, d is your ex-husband like really controlling do you right. hate him does your boss seem like they might be a psychopath well you they could be the psychopath next door apparently one out of 25 people is a narcissist and psychopath and i mean those are psychological terms that have a specific meaning in an academic context but people use them in a popular context i think pretty broadly and yeah. you know like they're they're really like psychiatric diagnoses almost and so i think people do kind of use kind of throw those terms around perhaps right uh, a bit much but these were actually academic researchers who were saying no actually um we looked at so so what the, these researchers did was they split people's internet behavior out into different categories so they looked at people who um, basically did not engage online. They called them non-commenters. They looked at people who liked to debate online. They called them debating issues. They looked at people who just chatted, who were just chatting, you mm -hmm. know. They looked at people, and then they looked at people who were trolling, and they were using the specific 
you know, definition that we gave of trolling at the beginning of the segment. Okay. And then they looked at other internet behaviors. I don't know what that was. But then they gave these people, I don't know, some kind of tests or something like that. And they figured, they, they saw that there was a significant um, increase in the levels of narcissism, psychopathy, Machiavellianism, direct sadism, and vicarious sadism. So I guess direct sadism is when you take pleasure in hurting somebody else. Vicarious sadism is when somebody else hurts somebody else and you laugh at it. You think that's good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was the data is pretty clear. We're looking at some bar graphs here that were like, wow, it's it's really obvious that the people who <laughs> engage in trolling have higher levels of all of these traits. Well, so go ahead. So what do you think? What do you think about that? And they, they actually call it something. It's they call it the dark tetrad. The dark tetrad is sadism, psychopathy, narcissism, and Machiavellianism. Well, so this is this gets to a point that I bring up a lot on my own show and 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 on this show, uh, and that is like humanity is really not ready for the level of technological advancement that it's engaging with right now. I mean, and, and it's just not, you know, like I mean, if if people are have these. Uh, you know, negative psychiatric psychiatric traits. Yeah, I mean, like, is that a good thing for them to have Twitter? I mean, not that you want to take anything <laughs> away from anybody, because I mean, you know, that that that's the internet can blow things out of proportion. I I agree with you in a sense, Brian. Like, mm. I mean, I love I love technology, right? And I yeah. embrace technology. You do too. You run a technology podcast. Yeah, I love tech. technology. <laughs> we both are fans of technology, but the thing is, you know. Things can really get blown out of proportion on the internet, and it's important to keep that perspective, right? Like one or two people um, can make it look like there's a lot of people on the internet through sock accounts and through right. um, act, very active posting and commenting and things like that can make can create a picture online that doesn't really reflect reality. You know, it's very easy to to sort of put out that that spin on the internet and humans are evolved for small groups to socialize in small groups of people that we know really well and that we know face to face. Yeah. And that just isn't, you know, the internet blows that out of the water because we're exposed to so many different people and it's very anonymous, you know? And so there's a lot of other studies too, that show that basically people behave worse when there's anonymity involved <laughs> and, you know, it's it's relatively easy to be anonymous on the internet. It's yeah. easy to depersonalize people because it's it's like your avatar is interacting with somebody else's avatar. It's just not the same thing as when you when you're face to face with somebody, and people tend to be much sort of politer and more humanized when they're when they are face to face. Well, anonymity is a two edged sword because it's important and it's necessary to have the ability to be anonymous uh, in communications. Yeah, that's but right. then at the same time, sure, it can, it can enable. I mean, that's the thing is like the, the, the tools that people that that have these traits, you know, that they have access to now. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it, it's really crazy. You know, something I mean, I think about all the time, like really the whole world is literally a stage now. You know, in a very yeah, real sense. It is. And the thing is, is that you, you know, somebody listening to this podcast that might not be a name of anywhere, you could make some kind of tweet that could go viral or something. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you are suddenly interacting with literally millions of people. But 
10, 20 years ago, when you would interact with millions of people, if you were somebody that interacted with millions of people, you had bodyguards. You had an entire lawyer teams. Yeah. You had, I mean, like, and you had fences that you, you know, your house was surrounded by a fence usually because that was only for the realm of the celebrity. Mm-hmm. But today, no, now you have to deal with all these people and you get scared to death. And sure you do, because you don't have like the, the, the protections and the security mm-hmm. that people that this this level of attention was only reserved for 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, really it, it can be scary. Yeah, I, I agree. I was I was just thinking of um, there was another study that I remember reading about. And this is true just from observation. You can see this if you drive in a car at all. But like just the level of hostility that uh, that people go to when they're just behind glass in their car you know road rage basically like it totally changes the dynamics of what they what they say and do to people and how they gesture and cut people off and everything like that it's like it's amazing how much bolder people get when they're just enclosed in a car now take that and put it on you know behind a computer screen it's like almost some people will say almost anything so (laughs) so the conclusion from this article is like what do they recommend they basically say that look if somebody is trolling you online or if you're in some kind of community discussion or something like that and somebody is acting like a troll, basically the best thing you can do is don't engage with them. <laughs> don't feed the trolls is is the old adage that holds true. They're basically saying that like, look, it's not going to work to try to talk to them nicely, right. to try to coach them into better behavior. <laughs> if you're an admin of a page, totally, like just, just kick them out. Don't waste time trying to rehab them (laughs) you know it's just just cut them off (laughs) and try not to interact with them yeah and i think a lot of page admins you know learn that lesson over time (laughs) but but then you can go too far in the opposite direction too and you can almost brand anybody a troll if that just disagrees with you so you got to be careful that you don't go overboard with that adage but basically what they're saying is that look for some people the best way to deal with them is to cut off contact and don't and use that block button, you know, just don't engage. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, and, and look, the internet, just bottom line, isn't for the thinnest skin, you know, at least most <laughs> right. most sections of it. And just know that. Go forward and, you know. Go forward and multiply. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Maybe sock not. Accounts. Yeah, sock <laughs> accounts. That's what I was thinking of, too. All right. There's more coming up here on Sex and Science Hour. Teacher throws dildo-themed party. Oh, my. Thinking of school nightmares. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy this show, Sex and Science Hour, you might be in for a real treat because Brian has his own podcast. But let me let you in on a secret. We're a couple. And uh, (laughs) it's not exactly a secret. And um, I often join him on his podcast. And sometimes we do relationship shows. So that might be right up your alley, right? Yeah, uh, actually, we do have an entire series that we do once a month. It's called the Relationship Rhombus. Yeah, but you have to be a patron of Sovereign Tech to be able to do that. Well, lucky for you, you can become a patron for only a dollar a month of uh, Sovereign Tech. And you can find it at SovereignTech.com, S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com, right? Yeah, that'll take you right to the show. We also do a free show every week. Yeah, that's the main thing you'll get there. Absolutely. All right, Brian, I teased this in the last segment. Teacher fired for throwing dildo-themed classroom party. This is just bizarre. Students... Uh, yeah, I'm just... I don't know. My, my head is 
I feel like maybe I shouldn't read articles from the New York Post, but here we are reading a New York Post. <laughs> well, they're article. only they're a little sensationalist, you they, know? yeah, a little bit. <laughs> they're very sensationalist, but nonetheless, I mean, I think they, I, I don't think they just make shit up. Like, no, no, they're no, not they a don't. satirical news newspaper. No, right, publication. They're, yeah, they're not the National Enquirer or anything by yeah. no means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not clickhole either. Yeah, they're not so. the onion. So there at least is like a grain of truth to what they're saying. All right. And of course, this happened in Florida. So, you know, I could believe it. Students who walked into a Florida grade school classroom were sh- greeted by a shocking scene. An X-rated party repeatedly featuring dildos, penis candles, and lollipop vaginas. At a grade school? Yeah. Read on. Parents at the Modern Lakes Academy in Hialeah are furious after a dance teacher threw a surprise party at school Wednesday that included phallic party favors, news station WSVN reported. The after-school celebration... Oh, after-school? The after-school celebration was supposedly for a former student, but hosted guests as young as 11 years old. In the videos, we see how they were preparing for the surprise party, and as the boy walked in, they surprised him with a hat that had a penis attached to the top and a string to be able to pull it so it can get erected, said an outraged <laughs> mother who declined to be identified. She said that she's not pleased because she never taught her daughter, quote, anything like that. Well, honey, if your daughter's 11 years old and she doesn't know about penises, you know, maybe it's time for some age-appropriate basic sex ed you know Mm. or health class at least health class stuff um (laughs) just saying there was a cake that had a lollipop shaped as a vagina the mom said now i don't even know how you would get a lollipop in that shape but i guess they somehow did and what it would have to do with the cake but all right i've seen i've seen vulva shaped cakes sure you know and and she's saying it was shaped as a vagina she probably means a vulva a lot of people use that's a pet peeve of mine a lot of people use the word vagina to refer to the external genitalia of a woman and that's not the vagina the vagina is the canal the birth canal basically okay admittedly like the vulva is the external stuff yeah vulva like i think anytime i've been reading like erotica or something and they say vulva like i don't know it just doesn't well what you think vagina is sexier well I don't know, like, it's something I'm more used to. I don't think people are used to that term at all. I agree with you. And, and, and in fact, it would be really helpful if they used, like, technically accurate terms. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it, I don't know. It, it's, it's an odd-sounding word. I mean, if you're writing erotica, say pussy. Okay. <laughs> right? No, it's good advice. That, you're right. Say pussy. If you like that word. I mean, people are particular about the sex words that they like and the vocabulary that they use during sex. But if you're having a school party or if you're in health class or you're talking about you know, teaching kids about body parts and stuff like that, be technically correct and use vagina to mean vagina and vulva to mean vulva and penis to mean penis. No, none of this wee wee hoo ha stuff. Well, I was going to say, like, penis is also, you know, in all fairness, that's a terrible sounding word, too. Like, I I, I agree. It doesn't sound sexy. It, yeah. It, like, cock. It just it, say cock when it, you're writing erotica. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I was going to, like, I, I want to reach out to people because I write erotica and I was going to be like, I was like, you know, could, so like, could some of the ladies tell me, like, all right, what what words do you like? What what works for you? Mm. And I think that this is uh, this is an important conversation. Like, I mean, Not what the, we started out talking about, but that's okay. No, no, <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to the teacher here. But yeah, like when I write, mm-hmm. 
pussy and cock. Like, I mean, those, yeah, those, those are the, the best words. And, and it reads right. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, granted, it's all in how you were raised, I suppose, or, or what you experienced growing up. You know, mm-hmm. it's all in your environment is what I should say. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, like cock, of course, you yeah. know, and, and, and pussy. Yeah. Yeah. What other words? Um, Dick is can be okay sometimes. Yeah, you got to be careful how you write that one. Yeah, yeah, dick is more like, oh, you're being a dick or something. You yeah, know, like it's more yeah, like yeah, joking yeah, around yeah. with your friends in a non-sexual context. Um, I like tits, boobs, you know. Tits? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and boobs. Yeah, like breasts, boobs? even breasts isn't bad. No, no, I think breasts is a fine yeah. word. I ass, mean, if you're referring to the ass, of course. Okay, but like, but boobs, like you can read the word boobs and it can still be sexy. Um, yeah, like I've, yeah, I've said to, I've said to somebody, that woman has really nice boobs. And it sounds sexy. I don't know. I I feel like when you're describing an action, like he was sucking on her boobs. Yeah, no, that's that's more tits. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's all about context, Brian. That's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. To, I, you know, I never asked you about the, or I think I did. Somehow I feel like the answers were different at that point, but this is good to know. Everybody has their own sexual vocabulary. That's true. And part of it is finding out what you want to use. So that is you know, true. Figure it out through exploration. But, you know, there, we've, we've heard from people who said, you know, I'm just so afraid to say these words because I grew up in a religious household or something like that. I can't talk. I can't bring myself to talk dirty. How do you talk dirty? Well, the answer is you just practice it. Just just say it out loud. Normalize it for yourself. Say pussy, pussy, pussy. Wow. Until you feel comfortable with it. Until it's no big deal. Pussy. All right. Well, I only need to say it once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally right, comfortable. Right, but maybe at some point in your life you would have needed to say it more. Now, okay. we never finished that story. We didn't finish story, the story. But who cares? I think we need to move on. It's really just news of the weird. There's not that much more to it. Yeah. It's just basically parents were outraged when a teacher threw this weird party. And I agree. It's really weird and creepy. Like, definitely. Well, this that is, does not belong at a school. This is why <laughs> 100... school nightmares. Exactly. Yeah. This is why 128 people still have nightmares about school. That's right. At least 120. At least. <laughs> okay. So our question this week was not about dirty talking, although we kind of answered that question, if anybody has it. Mm-hmm. Um. That is one way to get more comfortable with dirty talking. It's just practice. But the question this week was actually from me. So this is something I've been thinking about. Um, it, it was just kind of occurred to me this week. Wait, so it's your question? Yeah, it's it's my question that I want to talk it out with you. on. Okay, the all okay? right, let's do it. Okay, cool. So I called this question, is don't take it personally a cop out? And I'll explain what I mean by that. So you often hear the advice... Don't take things personally, right? Have you heard that before? Yeah, of course. Of course, yeah. It's very common advice. It's like, okay, don't take it personally. This person didn't call you back or didn't text you back. Maybe they're just busy, right? Right. It's not It's not because they don't want to talk to you. It's something that's going on with them. This person doesn't want to go out with you or doesn't want to date you. Well, it's not you. It's not you. It's them, right? Maybe sure. they're just not looking for a relationship right now. Or maybe they're just not, you know, they're... They're not paying attention, or I don't know. <laughs> it's right. nothing wrong with you. It's they just don't want to be in a relationship. Um, or, you know, somebody doesn't hire you for a job. Oh, don't take it personally. You know, they just, they found somebody who was their 
their cousin and they that's why they didn't hire you because it was nepotism or <laughs> okay or they found you know they found somebody else who applied first and it wasn't that you were bad or that there was anything wrong with you it's just they filled the position before they got to read your application or something like that uh-huh. you know so that advice i think can be really helpful in some contexts where Yeah, sometimes when somebody rejects you or when something happens to you that you might feel slighted by, uh, if you didn't, if you did take it personally, it can make you feel a lot better to think, well, maybe it's not that there's anything wrong with me. It was about that other person, right? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, do you ever think that it could cause somebody to miss an opportunity to really do some self-reflection and say, well, you know, maybe there, maybe it wasn't about me. Maybe there was nothing wrong with me. Maybe it was about that other person, but maybe I did, maybe I did do something that turned them off. Not that I'm a bad person, but maybe I did have some hand in not getting hired for this job. Maybe I blew the audition or maybe I blew the interview or maybe I turned this this person off that I asked out on a date by having B.O. or something, you know, (laughs) and maybe it is about me. (laughs) Well, okay. so I think like all things in the human condition, it's case by case. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's a hard and fast rule. I don't think there are any hard and fast rules. Not really. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, well, well, here's okay. I'm going to kind of contradict that because here is a hard and fast rule. Um, What other people think of you? is none of your business. Like, I mean, you, you have, there's no requirement that you need to know what that is. There's no, like, th- there's no requirement that that needs to That's be. That's a, a similar of piece of advice to don't take things personally. And yeah, I mean, I guess I agree with that to an extent. Like, yeah, don't, don't be so obsessed with what other people think of you that you're, you're obsessing about it and it's sure. ruining your life and you're trying to get people's approval. Cause you can't control that really, whether mm-hmm. people approve of you. Yeah. But on the other hand, if people are giving you, if everybody's giving you the same feedback constantly and you're just not listening to it because you're like, oh, well, I don't care. I'm not going to care what other people think of me. But everybody around you is saying, hey, you're not getting dates because you have B.O. or right. something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, you're I don't know what what they would be saying, but or you're not getting jobs because you're a terrible voice actor. <laughs> Or right. Like that. Well, I mean, I I think there is it's important for somebody to pay attention to evidence around them. I mean, if if there's a mounting stack of evidence that you know, people are either not dating you, not talking to you or whatever it is like that, then yeah, I mean, maybe you are the problem if everybody else has a problem with you, you know. That's not a guarantee. That's mm-hmm. not like for certain. Uh, maybe you could be very right. You know, yeah. I mean, you could be you could be in a mega church and you'd be an atheist. I would say you're right, even though everybody around you is going to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> uh, so, you know, again, that, that speaks to the case by case thing on that. Um, I think it's dangerous to just walk around more nonchalant thinking that um, th- thinking effectively, well, I don't have a problem. Like at all times. And there's there's people who walk, I mean, who walk around with that kind of uh, and it's arrogance. It's not confidence. Yeah, because it's not justified. Or, or what about the people who are like, oh, my God, everybody's accusing me of being racist. I'm not racist. Right. No way. There's no way I could be racist when actually, yeah, they they actually are a little racist. 
sometimes, you know, yeah. and they should really listen to the people or at least be open to the feedback that they're hearing and take the opportunity to reflect, you know, not be completely closed off to the possibility that, yeah, they could be a little bit racist. Yeah. I mean, so I, I get, you know, I could see it as a cop out. There's there's points where it could be a cop out. Absolutely. Um, but also, like, just in the abstract, uh, I mean, you can't, you know, you don't need to take anything personally because that's not your business. That's their business, how, how they think about you and, and or what um, or what they're doing, you know? Yeah, I guess there's I guess there's a difference between taking something personally and taking something as an as a potential piece of feedback or mm-hmm. an opportunity for reflection, right? Like yeah. if you if you didn't get hired for a job that you were, let's say you got rejected for a job that you applied for that you really wanted to get hired for. Right. Um, taking it personally would be like, oh my God, I suck. Like the, or, or the boss must have hated me or something like that. I'm a bad person. Basically feeling shame and beating yourself up over it. Taking it as an opportunity for reflection might look like, more like, okay, well, I didn't get hired for this one. I'm disappointed. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just a fluke. But if this keeps on happening, maybe I do need to reevaluate the career I'm in. Maybe I need to get some coaching. Maybe I need to um, improve my resume. Maybe I need to try some uh, other related jobs or, or something like this. Maybe I got too ambitious applying for this one. You know, maybe I need to try some other stuff first. But you're not beating yourself up over it. You're just sort of thinking critically, you know, and saying, what are the ways I could improve, but not shaming yourself and not guilting yourself and beating yourself up? Yeah, I mean, I I, make sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that engaging in self-reflection often, you know, doing multiple, perhaps even check ins during a day is a great thing, regardless. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And you want to and and I think it's 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 a good idea, a healthy idea to like eliminate any kind of justifications in your mind to keep you from doing those self-reflections. Um, and that includes maybe even, I mean, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go there. Uh, so, but, but that, you know, that includes like maybe running to certain activities or something like that. Cause those can be cop outs as well. Like, what do you mean like, by that? Running um, to certain activities? I, I mean, some, some people do things to avoid, looking at them to to avoid looking in the mirror to avoid looking you know inward oh so that'd be like if you didn't get hired for the job and immediately you went to the bar and got drunk something like that yeah i mean like <laughs> yeah. that's that's not that's almost the same as like well don't take it personally so yeah, drink it that's, away that's right um, and that's look, right. nothing wrong with drinking i'm not saying that I'm, I'm just saying that yeah it's good to get in that self-reflection it's not going to be easy you know it's going to be hard and so like you said yeah it can be it can be a cop-out to not take it personally mm. but also in the abstract I, I would still say that um, you don't have to take anything personally ever yeah. because it's not your business. Maybe another aspect is like how often it happens, right? Like if you get rejected once, maybe don't take it personally, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you keep getting rejected over and over in similar circumstances, that might be that it might be that the world or the universe or whatever is beating you over the head with this feedback that you just don't want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe well, you should consider listening to it. Right. I, I mean, you know, there's kind of the old saying that there, there's freshwater fish and saltwater fish. And sometimes you're in the wrong water. 
you know, and you, you need to, you that's know. That's a good, yeah, I like that. I've never actually heard that. Sure. So, <laughs> I but, didn't but know I mean, it was a saying, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, like, uh, you know, you're what a, a big fish in a small pond or something like that. Well, you know, maybe it's the wrong type of water in the pond that you're in and you just need to try somewhere else. I mean, th- these are things, yeah, there's a point where you need to take action, uh, you know, sure. Maybe absolutely. you need to jump out of the pond. All yeah. right, cool. Well, thanks. Thanks for talking that out with me, Brian. I yeah, mean, I sure. thought that was a great discussion. So, okay, maybe don't take things personally as in don't beat yourself up, but also be open to feedback and thinking about ways that you could improve and doing self-reflection. That's always a good thing. Yeah. All right. I like that answer. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Almost. We do have the after show coming up. So if you got some extra time, you may want to stay tuned here on Sex and Science Hour. If you're leaving us for this week, thank you so much. It's been great to have you join us. Visit us over at sexandsciencehour.com. And we'll be back at you with another episode on Friday night. Well, maybe it's more like Saturday morning, depending <laughs> on your time zone. We don't always get to it super early on Friday night, but that's, that's generally at the Anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with the after show for more. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week. This is the after show where we talk about stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. And what is that? Well, if you go through that link and you buy something, it'll take you to Amazon. If you buy something, it'll end up on our list of stuff that we talk about on our after show. Now, we can't see who bought it, we can just see what was bought. So it gives us a handy dandy list of things to talk about and discuss and judge. <laughs> We don't judge too hard, you know. Often it's like, hey, that's really cool. Um, <laughs> but if you uh, hear about something on the after show and you want to get one yourself, you can always go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com yourself and you can buy one. So that's right. There you go. All right. What do people buy through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com this week? Well, um, one of the first items that I saw was the uh, was a book called Tales from the Trails. Mexico. It's a paperback by James Moore. Oh, from '99. Yeah. I, what is this? Is this a comic book? Uh, no, I can't even like see it. a description. All right. Well. Well, that's don't great. Spend too much time on that. Council of Primogen by Justin Achille. That's another uh, book. It looks like. Why do that I must feel be like... a rare book because it's paperback from twenty-five dollars. Yeah, that that sounds familiar. Anyway. Victorian Age B- yeah, Vampire see, okay. Companion, That's also by Justin Achille. What, what is of, this? Some of this is this is like uh, paperback uh, from fifty six dollars. They're, they're role playing games. Oh, yeah. That's games. why I was thinking of Primogen. Okay, cool, cool. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Lair of the Hidden, Time of Judgment, and yep. uh, 
Vampire Chronicle by White Wolf. Now, I'm a huge fan of White Wolf's work. Um, in fact, one of really? my one of my favorite TV shows. Well, so so, so White Wolf they they did Vampire the Masquerade. They've mm-hmm. done I think they did Mage. They did um, a Werewolf one. They, they've done all these different RPG. You know, like like Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. But they've done so much more. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade, the game, uh, like the video game is widely considered one of the greatest games of all time, and it really is. It's phenomenal. Uh, not Or was that Bloodlines? Anyway, whatever. Um, and they also did an amazing television show. If you want some, like, really high drama inside of, like, 11 to 13 episodes, I forget exactly how many there were, there was a show called uh, Kindred the Embraced, which was all about, like, the world that these... Um, uh, in fact, the primogen is, like... Like, that's a character. Like, oh like, wow! Like kind okay, of so it's of part the of the universe. Yeah, but that show, Kindred the Kindred the Embraced, was incredible. It's done by Aaron Spelling, who did Nine Hundred Two One Zero at the wow. time. Wow! But you wouldn't expect. Yeah, it. that's really famous. Yeah, I mean it's it is a and it's a sexy as hell show. I think vamp- oh my God. vampires in general are just so hot. I mean they're like it is such a sexy. Yeah, uh, they became concept. really popular here a couple of years ago. I yeah, mean, I, I mean think I like the good reason for it because vampires are sexy. I mean, creatures that goth hot women that like bite you on the neck in the night want to suck your blood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pre you know pre Twilight, yeah, they're better. They vampires have kind of been ruined uh, by like uh, um, the Vampire Diaries and a lot of these other things where it's where it's sort of bullshit. Mm. But uh, I mean, you get into classic Dracula and you know like the Hammer films or Vampire Hunter D. Or, uh, or you know, the works of White Wolf and everything. Then, I mean, you're just talking pure heat. I mean, it, it's just it's oh a sexy shit, in my opinion. Victorian Age Vampire, London by Night. That was another book. Right I don't on. Know if I mentioned that one yet. Um, okay, cool. G Chick Portable Monitor with HDMI and VGA. It's probably G Chic. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> well, whatever. It's a portable monitor, hundred ninety nine dollars. Nice. And yeah, that looks really cool. Um, it looks like you can kind of just hang it up on the wall. It's like a flat screen. It's got built-in speakers and audio jack. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, HDMI cable. Yep. That's, that's important. Necessary. Yes, we need this. Um, okay, we had a couple of uh, power tool things, but I think I'll save those for later. Green. Oh, <laughs> you're oh. gonna love this. Fisher Price Power Ranger figures. Green Ranger and Pink Ranger. Story of my life. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I love the Green Ranger all yeah. the way. That's awesome. We saw that Power Rangers movie last year. Wasn't oh, it was great. It yeah. was great. Green I Ranger was wasn't good, in. Yeah. The, I mean, he was in at the end, but oh, spoiler alert! But <laughs> these yeah, are really cool. Yeah, these are like little uh, Power Rangers, and they have like their hands look like they could grip onto a bar or something, or maybe even a weapon. <laughs> Power Rangers has had they've had some pretty impressive toys. The toy line alone makes a lot of it worth it. Oh, there. Oh, we go. they got the blue and black Ranger nice. too. Because yeah, we got blue and black, green nice. and pink. What what are we missing? Blue, black, green, oh, red, pink. and yellow. Oh, red, yellow. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Panasonic CR twenty twenty five. Twenty. Oh yeah, they are twenty twenty five three volt lithium sorry. coin batteries. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought twenty thirty one was the only number. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> hey, you got to get batteries, right? LED light up balloons, premium quality flashing LED light up balloons. Nice, that's awesome. Oh, that's Somebody's cool. starting a fun house or something, or a clown on the side. Hmm. 
Coolworks two-speed plastic twin window fan. Oh, these are useful because you put it in the window. It's almost like an air conditioner, but it's yeah. just a fan. You put it in the window, and it's got these two fans that circulate air, maybe in different directions, so it creates a cross breeze. That's nice yeah. when you're sleeping. Magic Fly two-pack of 66-inch display easels for painting, posters, whatever you like. That's cool. 30 bucks for two easels. That's nice. You know, we have an easel in our basement because we work out and we have like a little whiteboard that sometimes we write down the workout of the day or whatever, mm-hmm. or I use it to keep track of like how many sets I've done or something like that. And it has a little easel that, that holds it up. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Easels and whiteboards are useful things to have. Halloween glow in the dark party supplies, 200 glow sticks. Boy, somebody's going to be having a good That's time. That's awesome. Maybe they already did have a good time because we have true. a little little lag on this. But um, yeah, Halloween was this week. So uh, yeah, I hope you had a good time. 200 glow sticks for $14. You know, you could probably make a killing if you if you bought a pack of glow sticks, like a bulk pack, take it to a festival, sell them for like 50 oh. cents or a dollar each. You know, you could you could double your money. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody bought The Good Vibrations Guide to Sex, which is an audiobook that I narrated. Awesome. And I think I know who it was. Yeah. The Good Vi- we talked about this on the show last week, but The Good Vibrations Guide to Sex is I really like it. I've read a bunch of sex manuals and sex guides and stuff like that, but I really like it. It was originally published by Cleus Press, which is a great publisher for sex books. Yeah. Um they also published uh, Dr. Paul Jonidi's book, The Guide to Getting It On, which is one of my favorite sex books, sex manual type books. Yeah. Um, but yeah, The Good Vibrations Guide to Sex is is just awesome. See last week's show for a description of it. But I hope you enjoy the audiobook. And anybody who wants to listen can go there um, and get a copy themselves. Let's see. What else did people get? Uh, oh, yeah. Sony Active Sports headphones in white. Now, these, these are like hang over your ear kind of type. Yeah, these are great. I actually I used to use a pair of these and I, I left them at like a hotel somewhere because mm-hmm. otherwise they were like my travel pair because they only cost like 15 bucks. Yeah, that's um, right. These are thirteen seventy seven. Right. Of course, mine would be black or pink. But um, but th- the nice thing about these is that, yeah, they will hook to your ear. There's no way that they're falling out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't. Brian is a big fan of the, the hit headphones that hook on your ear. He, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't like the big over the ear ones. He likes air. Yeah, he likes well, earbuds. <laughs> right, but that's the the other thing is that I don't like the in ear. Yeah, that's right. And I like ones. I like how yeah. Sony does this where, um, it, like it goes into the side, mm-hmm. like it's not sitting flush on your ear. It's kind of going in, and it's just pointing the speaker into your canal. Yeah, uh, but it's not in ear where you lose your kind of your your uh directional sound yeah uh, which mm. bothers the hell out of me when i don't have like uh, that kind of situational awareness when i'm wearing in your headphones so yeah these kinds of things this is one of the best cheaper sets that you can buy and it, it, they do the job sony makes great headphones i mean i i will sure. say i'm wearing sony mdr uh headphones right now um 7506 model those are standard for you know in studio those monitoring the, yeah, yeah they're the gold standard totally um, these were Sony MDR AS 200s, uh, Active Sport 200 headphones. So yeah, they make a wide range of price points too. Yep. Like you can get good quality, but it's, you know, the best quality for what you're going to buy basically. Yeah. Sony. Uh, Persona double edge razor blades, 100 Ooh, count. Somebody's classy. Somebody was stacking the apples for Halloween, huh? <laughs> or they're just <laughs> shaving, shit. or they're just shaving a lot of yeah. hair. 
<laughs> wow. 100 razor blades. What else are you going to do with 100 razor blades yeah. the week before Halloween? That's awfully suspicious. Yeah. Uh, okay. So here's the power tools. Okay. We've got a lot of them this week. So bear, bear in mind, we're creating a picture. See what you think somebody could possibly be building or making with all these tools. We got a field piece digital vacuum gauge with alarm. So it tells you the air pressure, I guess. Milwaukee two-pack of lithium-ion batteries. Unwield RHP4... Uniweld. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It was very unwieldy. Uniweld nitrogen regulator with 0 to 400 PSI delivery pressure. So for a nitrogen tank. Rigid model 101 close quarters tubing cutter. Let's make tubing cutter. Johnson level... Uh, with, you know, this is just like an aluminum level. You put it on a surface, has little bubbles, tells you if it's flat. Yeah. Fluke 1AC A12 volt alert voltage tester. Those are handy. Yeah, voltage testers are handy. Wait, should I add this to my cart, Brian? No, is... we, we have like three of them. Oh, we do? Yeah. Oh, well, the thing we don't have is a stud finder, right? Yes. We don't need a stud finder. I can find the stud. Beep, 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 beep. Hey, oh, it's pointing oh, to Brian. It's right next oh. to you. What are you going to do? <laughs> uh, DeWalt Flex Torque Bit Tip Holder with Screw Lock System. I guess this is for a drill that okay. holds, the, holds the drill bit in place. UEI Test Instruments Pipe Clamp Probe. I've seen these before. This is like, you. I don't know, you, you're testing voltage on a wire or something you clamp it around the wire Mm -hmm. field piece folding pocket thermometer with min max hold and stainless steel probe and that's it now brian putting all those together what the fuck is this person doing putting in a water heater ah that's a good guess Um, that's a fairly confident that's what's going on putting in a water heater oh i like it Okay, that's uh, that's as good of a hypothesis as I've got. Now, um, okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm satisfied with that. Okay. If you he- if you heard about anything that you would like to get for yourself on stuff.sexandsciencehour.com, uh, just follow that link and you can get all the stuff we mentioned plus more. I'm going to throw out one item of the week for just for myself, but I have to go over and grab it because I need to. Uh, I need to remind myself what it's called. So do you really? want to do yeah, do you want to do an item, Brian? Will I do that? Yeah, I'll do an item. Okay. So okay. Um I uh recently acquired a book called uh not usually so I'm a huge believer in ebooks. I have a Kindle, all that business. Uh but some books you just can't get in Kindle format. Now eventually I want to digitize them anyway. Uh but so I end up having to get books here and there that that are full on, you know, dead tree books. And one that I recently got is um I think it's called Making the Future: The Art of Sid Mead. Now, Sid Mead has more or less created my every fantasy that I have. Um Sid Mead is a uh, concept artist, much like Ralph McQuarrie was for Star Wars, but Sid Mead did all the good movies. He did uh Star Trek the Motion Picture, he did Tron, he did um Blade, the original Blade Runner. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's a laundry list. It's a who's who of the most influential films in science fiction. And also, like, I mean, the most visually stunning. And say what you will about Star Trek, the motion picture. It is a visually stunning film. Uh, and so Sid Mead, I mean, just a total hero of mine. And to have a, a beautiful collection of all of the films. I mean, I just listed off a few of, them, uh, of all the films and, and samples of the artwork that he did for them. 
it's uh, I mean it's just a masterpiece to look at and incredibly inspirational uh, I, I love Sid Mead's uh, work I will also say that the art book for Blade Runner 2049 uh, is is another masterwork not by Sid Mead but he certainly gets plenty of Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, my item of the week was going to be Celestial Seasonings Lemon Lavender Lane Herbal Tea. It is so good. I mean, it just, I don't usually even like lavender that much, but I love this tea and it makes me fall asleep. Speaking of which, the show's over. Ooh, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll be back after next Friday. Sexandsciencehour.com. Thanks for tuning in.